podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You know, proper, I've been thinking. That's never good. No. Am I the Russell Wilson of picks? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's funny. You would have been if, say, after your 16-6 and six record last season and your very good record in the first season that we did Edge Rush, you would have been uh, Russell Wilson if you'd got a move to, say, some big global betting podcast where people yeah. had to subscribe to it, people had to pay to it, and you were getting paid $250 million <laughs> to do it. But the, but, to deliver. But the fact that you're not means you're not quite as bad as Russell Wilson. Although Thanks. it is remarkable what you're able to achieve now, I have to say. Like last week, it was, it was genuinely like it was just written in the stars that the Houston Texans were going to cover goal line stands. Goal line <laughs> yeah, stands. Yeah. There's going to be yeah, yeah. pre-game warm-up injuries yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys in the secondary. It was uh it was a neat encapsulation of just how bizarre your Drew Lock of the Weeks have been so far this season. Bizarre is the word. You know, I, I, thank you firstly for um leading off the pod by just reinstilling confidence in me as I as I try and get back on the horse with the past two seasons. But that's then reminded me, Two for the Money, a film that I've told you to watch about a million times and I bet you still haven't watched, right? No, no, no. With no. Matthew White, McConaughey yeah. and Al Pacino. No, no, no. Matthew McConaughey <laughs> and Al Pacino. I can't believe you still haven't watched this film. I'll watch, watch that tonight. Two for the Money. Two for the Money. You'll love it. And have I not seen it? Do you not remember us talking about this? So McConaughey plays a college quarterback that gets injured and ends up in this dead end job somewhere in Texas, I think, um, giving phone picks for some. You know, in the old days, oh, everyone could dial yeah. up phone picks. And Pit- Al- he sort of goes on a streak. So Al Pacino has a slightly shady New York gambling operation, kind of early era digital space. It's probably, I think, it was probably made in the early noughties, right? Yeah, two thousand five. Pluck there, you go. So plucks him in, and uh, it's it's kind of Wolf of Wall Street boiler room meets. Edge rush. <laughs> so the uh, the McConaughey is on a roll. So he becomes Pacino's hottest tipster, and he's rolling and rolling. He's making all these punters loads of money. All these millionaire punters chucking crazy bets on, and McConaughey's their go-to guy, and he's the darling of it. And then it all goes wrong, and he starts going on tilt. And there's a scene in it where he's just lost his confidence, doesn't know what to pick, and he's just putting pins in. in the, it's basically the Coco the Coco Pebbles approach. So maybe maybe. Uh, after this week, which of course, if I if I if I tilt again this week on the Drew Locks, then Coco and Pebbles are out of the bullpen. Then maybe I'm Matthew McConaughey, not Russell Wilson. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, it'd be insane if you do manage to drop below 500. Who would have thought after giving yourself a 10 pick cushion last yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the listeners Regrouping. must now the listeners must now just be incredibly entertained by this whole thing because usually, <laughs> like last season, the Drew Locks of the week was kind of this thing where. We would do the picks. We would preview all the games we were going to preview, mm. run through the prop bets. And at the end, we'd go through our Drew Locks of the Week. And it was quite formulaic in that sense. Yes. Because this, I feel like this season, <laughs> yeah. it's just been every yeah. week an obsession with well, who's going to be our Drew Locks because of the amount of pressure piling up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting ridiculous. We can't even, 
in NFL terms, tank the season now. I mean, there's nothing to be gained from that. It's not like we can bring in by having a, a spectacularly bad record when all said and done, bring in another Crystal Tom into my ranks and co-pick with him next season. I mean, we don't have that option. There's no draft. I no, just I know. we just have to punch up and just try and get things back on track. Although very uh, funny is obviously mm. Crystal Tom Collins on absolute fire mm. for the season. He's six and one. Sadly, he did lose his first one last week, which also meant that he lost the edge rush hacker. Mm. And you could tell that the pressure's already getting to him. The the feeling that you've had, what, 12 times this okay, season? Okay, all right, enough. He's already got it. He, he, he texted me this pretty much afterwards. Bear in mind, he's six and one, okay? Mm. So he goes, I have to win bad beat of the year. Pickett injury, being Trubisky'd with three interceptions in plus territory and a blocked field goal. Due a loss, I guess. Should be 7-0. Trubisky is a house. <laughs> that, that could have been me writing that to you. <laughs> that I was maybe... literally like, Crystal Tom Collins is the most composed man. Yeah. Of all time. In the business. Yeah. But even he has suffered the uh, the effects of uh, backing a Drew Locke that just frustrates you throughout the week. The, and the Drew Locke. Well, let's I mean, yeah, one of the one of our listeners said, because there was a poll that was put out on Twitter um, about whether I should get Coco and Pebbles out of the bullpen now. And thank you to roughly 50 percent of listeners or people who voted in the poll that have my back. <laughs> so it's kind of 50 50. I'll take those. I'll take those numbers right now, quite frankly. Those are better than Biden numbers. So I'll, I will take yeah. them. Uh, but one of our listeners made a very good point. Uh, which you'll remember, Propo, we talked about on last week's show. Is this me we- going through and picking, counting yeah. all of our picks? Yeah, but you lost, so I don't have to do that. Oh, come on. I think because the, the, the votes, nah. the options on the poll were, should Nat give up his edge rush picks to Coco and Pebbles? Yeah, no, the man hit 66% in 2021, right? So in the end, actually, some late votes seem to have <laughs> boosted the up vote higher than I thought. But it was about 55-45, right? But Richard Garland, hey, Richard, at the NC show is how we got in touch. Wait until you count all 51 show picks. It's a fair point. Not just the edge rush picks, all of the picks we've ever had in the history of edge rush. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Do you know how long that would take me? <laughs> I, would, I would, yeah, fair play. Hours and hours even. And you've got to go through data, pour over that data, sheets and sheets of... Especially of, how bad last week was. We had a uh, terrible week last week. I you mean, basically say is it the worst week in edge rush history? Yeah, ever? I mean, I think that's the second time this season I've texted you. I've had two. I've genuinely done pretty well, whether it be the props or just the general match previews. I'm still nine and five with my Drew Lock, so they're going okay. But there's been two mm. weeks where it feels like I haven't won a bet. The only bets that I won last week were those ones where I kind of gave out um saying that they might be we both did this we both gave out a couple of different picks which we said might be our drew locks and yeah. they didn't make them our drew locks i gave out the broncos yeah. i did back them which obviously they did cover the spread even though it didn't look like it was they were going to the jags which i gave out which ended up being that's a great pick a re- yeah. yeah a really good pick and i did give that as my baker and i saw bowl a lot pick. of people on the titans there yeah that was it would have been a great you gave that as your baker bowl pick didn't you the jags. yeah i did give yeah. that as my baker bowl pick i'm, I'm pretty sure i did I, i'm it makes sense that i did uh, no, you did i remember you did yeah. and i remember because i was agonizing with my drew lock over <laughs> over the Cowboys and of course the over in the Detroit game which of course came in of course it did so yeah we we did, we definitely had some bounce but it was well, over- I backed two prime time overs which didn't come in which is mm. so unlike me so unlike me the under's king just, of Plumpton that the is. under's king of Plumpton and that really frustrated me but yeah it was a uh, it was a bizarre week but this just motivated me to have a better week this one I am on a, on point ready to roll Propo so let's do it we've got three games we're picking of course 
We are going to have Crystal Tom's Taylor Heineke Yaka and his Drew Locke, as well as minor propos. Propos prop bets of the week. Incidentally, in terms of NC Show content out there, right now, all the stuff that's rolling out on our social channels at the NC Show, but also on Mike in the Vault. I thought it was a vintage show with Carson on Monday. I thought he was in he was in prime form. Yeah, I mean, I texted you both afterwards saying that I, I re-listened to it because I was ill on Monday, which I think everyone would have heard if they heard me pick the Patriots at the end of the podcast, which I'll take that <laughs> yeah. one win. Oh, I'll yeah, that's that a jammy, jammy <laughs> You know I'll what? I think people around the world must have thought, Nat's picked the Cardinals. goes down. So, yeah. yeah, you did sound a bit husky. Actually, funnily, you should mention that because we got a message on a DM on our Instagram, which I'm just going to open up now, just about that, actually. So uh, who is this from? Where are we? I'm just opening up. Oh, it's from Chris Borman. Uh, it's Propo. I'm not sure I actually read the whole of this message out. Uh, we talk about you on the recap show. He sounds like Stifler's mom. <laughs> what he said. Chris Borman, uh, shout out to you. Yeah, no, I did. I was, I was contemplating whether or not I was going to leave it in there, but then mm. it was because Carlson finished with let's go proper or something. So I was like, mm. I kind of got to leave it in there. But yeah, I mean, I was in a terrible state on Monday yeah, and it's mate. just a demonstration of how well I do against adversity that I still edited the show, got it out there. You're and my commitment, yeah, I'm an You're absolute pro. pro. So as much as, yes, I did sound like Stifler's mum, I still managed to edit the podcast, give out a winning pick and yeah, contribute to the Nat Coombe show uh, fandom. So and do it I with think I, yeah, modesty, modesty. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I deserve credit for that. But, but no, yeah. I really, I ended up because I was ill. I don't yeah. trust necessarily to pick out the points for the edits. And there's always a lot of, a couple of questionable things in there for Carlton <laughs> as well. So <laughs> yeah. I still want to spend an entire podcast on the Antonio Brown, Mike Carlson show and who is going to get cancelled first. I want, Imagine, to dis- um, I want to discuss that. If we, What we should do is we should set up a Patreon and just release all of the things that have been edited out from Carlson throughout the <laughs> yeah, season. The Carlson outtakes. <laughs> that would be a show. We would yeah. fly off the shelves. That would be <laughs> at most the fastest subscription model in Patreon history. <laughs> All right, let's get down to it. So we'll start. Obviously, you put Dallas up front straight away just to, just to needle me. I know proper, but the Cowboys-Jags, really interesting game because, of course, of that uh, aforementioned bounce-back win for the Jags. He's suddenly proper, uh, improbably, uh, back in the, the playoff mix on. We've got to take them seriously as a, at least a, a, a credible long shot to make the playoffs. I think we have to. And I think the reason why we are even considering him at this moment in time is the improvement that we've seen from Trevor Lawrence. You've touched on it last week. I think you even touched on it the week before. But the statistics that he's putting up at this moment in time, the performances that he's putting in last week, he was absolutely brilliant. Since week nine, he's had 1,362 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, a 71.8% completion percentage, which is the first in the NFL over that time span. And he has 111.7 passer rating. He is brilliant. And that's not just on the short throws. That's just not on the check downs. On 10 plus yard throws since week nine, he has the highest PFF grade, six touchdowns, no interceptions and 148.5 pass rating, which again is the first in the NFL. He has been on absolute smoke and he is sort of coming to fruition and performing to the levels that everyone thought he could when he first entered the NFL as obviously the first overall pick. What's interesting about this Jags team though is their offense doesn't make that much sense. They scored 36 points last week against the Titans, 14 the week before 
against the Lions, 28 the week before that against the Ravens, and then only 17 against the Chiefs. So even over that time span, although Trevor Lawrence is playing exceptionally well, when it comes down to the red zone, they haven't necessarily been able to convert. On the other side of things is their defense is not very good. And that's one of my biggest fears about this team. Mm. I can be, I was quoted both on this show, I think last week and on the TalkSport 2 NFL show to very much Ben and Will's uh, pleasure that I said that I think the Jags will be able to stop Derrick Henry. Cue Derrick Henry having over 100 rushing yards <laughs> in the first half. And Will made the good point that they are good at stopping the run when they're not going up against elite running offenses. If they're going mm-hmm. up against sort of mediocre or average ones, that's when they're good at stopping it with that defensive front. And they're very creative with their defensive schemes. And that can sometimes work to their benefit and sometimes can also expose them a little bit. And I think the defense is relatively weak. And I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to be able to stop this rushing attack of the Dallas Cowboys, which is, of course, flying at the minute with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. It's a fascinating game. You've got Dallas laying four and a half points on the road against Jacksonville. You would think this would be a classic buy low, mm-hmm. sell high spot for Jacksonville because they just come off their biggest win of the season. First time they've won in Nashville since 2013. And you've got Dallas coming off probably their worst performance for sort of five weeks or so, only just beating the Houston Texans. But you could probably credit that to just Nat making them their Drew, his Drew Lock of the Week. <laughs> it's a very interesting game, but I just, I don't understand... I was expecting this number to be closer to three. I was expecting this number to be closer to almost sort of two and a half, three because of what we've seen from Jacksonville in recent weeks, because of the regression we've seen in this Cowboys defense, especially in the secondary, because the Jacksonville Jaguars are decent up front. They have a decent offensive line, which can sort of nullify the Cowboys' biggest weakness. Didn't the and line open greater as well? Hasn't it moved towards... So it's gone four to five, back to four and a half. Right, Okay. So initially loads of money was coming in the Cowboys, but then as soon as it got to five, the money came on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. And to be honest with you, Nat, just because of the fact that I think this line should be shorter, I'm going to have to take the Jags again in this spot. Mm. I think I have to. What do you think of of four and a half as a number? Four and a half as a number, it's kind of take it or leave it, really. It's not really a key number necessarily. I mean, four can be a key number, but I think as long as it's above three in this situation, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I... I think it's a really interesting point you make about the, well, a couple of really key points you've made. The erratic nature when you look at the sample size the last four or five games, not just the varying points totals that Jags have put up, but also there isn't really a pattern in terms of, well, okay, that was up against an elite defense because as some of the teams you mentioned, you would hardly describe yeah. them as elite these, right? But for me, the key to this is absolutely the rhythm and the fluency that they're finding offensively now because Lawrence has absolutely, it's something we've talked about a lot, I I think, uh, this season, a a fair chunk of last season as well. I remember one show, me saying to you after, I'm not sure I'm happy about that going in because I was discussing the um, inconsistent nature of Lawrence and I didn't really know where I stood on it. So I didn't, wasn't really comfortable that, that, point going in because I talked about it with more conviction than on reflection I had on it yeah now crystal clear that he has absolutely moved into that into that lane where no going back he is going to become the quarterback that we thought he he was going to be right as Carlson said on Monday show Peterson has to take a lot of credit for this I stand by what I said preseason about the smart move to get Kirk to spend money to overpay in uh, in the market terms on the skill positions they brought into arm him with a bit because they have worked and it has paid off. So it makes 
sense, not just because of the productivity they're seeing on the field this season, but how that helps his development. It's a, a, a logical investment, given the amount of money they've invested in him, they want to invest in him, how much is riding on him being the franchise. So I love all of that. I have to say the play here for me is is, is got to be looking at the total. At the moment, the line is what? 47. Yeah. It's my Drew Lock of the Week, the over. Is it, is it your Drew Lock of the Week? Yeah, oh, the over okay. is my Drew Lock of there the Week. There you go. Well, that's a good side, man, because I think that's got to be that has got to be the play. Yeah, I think it has to be the play. It's not necessarily my sharpest pick. Like, I think this is one that a lot of people will be picking out. Interestingly, it went up to 48 and it's already dropped to 47. So I think there's money coming in on the under. Yeah. I've checked yeah. the weather. It's going to be absolutely fine well in done. Jacksonville on Sunday because Sunday, I thought that might have been having an impact. <laughs> but at the same time, you look at the way the Cowboys have been playing defensively. Like, they've allowed, what, 23 points to the Houston Texans. They've mm. allowed 20 points to New York Giants. They've allowed 31 points to the Green Bay Packers, 29 points to the Chicago Bears. Yes, they shut out the Minnesota Vikings, pretty much only allowing them to score three points, but that's because their offensive line is a mess. Their defense has had a lot of success against teams that have really poor offensive lines. And that is just not what the Jacksonville Jaguars have. They will give Trevor Lawrence time to throw and they will give this team opportunity to score points. And I think if you look at the way how banged up that secondary is for Dallas, Mm. I think Trevor Lawrence can continue this form and I think he'll be able to keep this game close and I think they'll be able to score points. And on the other side of the ball, Pollard, Zeke. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to have a huge game in this. That's one of my prop bets. I think he'll score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Recording this on Wednesday, so the line isn't out. But the Jags can't stop elite wide receivers. Devontae Adams, 146 yards and two touchdowns. Amon Rasen Brown, 114 yards and two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb should have a day. And I think this number, just because... I understand that it's December. Usually we see lower totals. We saw that last week. Mm. But I just think this number is a little bit too low considering that you have two teams who are rolling on offense right now and are struggling on defense. And I expect there to be a, I expect this to be a very, very good game on Sunday. I love that. I love that, Pico. It was on my shortlist. You've got that's there. terrible news. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that's, the only, <laughs> that's the only negative. Also, when you said, I've checked the weather, it's fine. Smash cut to, this is extraordinary. I've never <laughs> seen it. A storm brewing in the space of 30 minutes. Um, uh, yeah, why, by the way, why the hell didn't we go on the on the uh, Jets under last week? I'm really ruining that one. Yeah, um, I was showing the obvious unders last week. Yeah, just looking at, um, speaking of unders, I was looking at the, an article over on Sports Illustrated about the season trends so far, right? I know you'll be all across this, but for the benefit of our listeners. So they were... Looking after the Pats Cardinals game went under, and of course, big reason it went under, I guess, is was was Kyler going out and Colt McCoy coming in. Uh, but nevertheless, that's the way it went down. And the under on all nationally televised primetime games this season, mm-hmm. 24, 18, and one. So you know, pushing 60% there, right? Looking at the season as a whole, we've known, of course, this has been an unders led season. 116 89 and 2 on the under. So again, a clear edge there. Uh what was what last year the with the overs was demonstrably over 50%, right? Uh I think it was it ended up managing to kind of regress to around 50% by so the end pre- of the year. I mean it usually 50. does. Yeah, yeah. it's about 50-50. This season as we said it came it started insane where everything was going under. Literally for mm. the first 7 weeks, first 8 weeks everything was going under. The primetime unders 
we're insane. And yeah. then it's kind of flipped over the past sort of seven weeks or so, where it's kind of regressed back to the mean. The under's now already hitting, what, 60% on prime time before that was like 75%, 80%. Mm-hmm. And even going into last week before the two unders, obviously I bet the over on, they were... <laughs> They were, um, the overall was actually hitting at a remarkable rate on mm. prime time. So I think that it usually corrects itself. The market usually corrects itself in this situation. But I think that now we're getting into December, the totals are only going to get lower and lower. That's being yeah. said, I've just backed it over. <laughs> okay. Well, and it's also your Drew Lock. So first Drew Lock off the board. We'll hear from Crystal Tom and his Drew Lock in a bit. But let's do our second game Bears, Eagles. The Bears off a bye week. Uh, the Eagles still the number one show in town, certainly in terms of record. Jalen emerging now as the favorite in the MVP race. We got into the MVP odds on the Monday show with I and Mike Carlson, incidentally fancied a sneaky bit of value on Joe Burrow, who's the outsider of the three with, with Hertz and Mahomes in that mix as well. This one's in Chicago. Have you done a weather report, Propo? I have done a weather report. It's below freezing at Soldier Field, but sunny on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Defensively, big issues for the Bears, which I guess, given the fluency of the Eagles' offense, is why the total is as high as it is. Fields banged up, but off a bye week. So they're expecting, I guess, something cooking there because they're going to feel he is back to his potent best. He's had a, it's been an odd season for Fields, hasn't it? It really has because you look at it and he is breaking records left, right, and center. I think he is seventh in all rushing in the league this season. So like in terms of all players rushing records, I think he's seventh, which is insane, obviously, for a quarterback. Yes, he hasn't necessarily had the best performances when it comes to throwing the ball. He only averages, what, 22 passes per game or 21.5, which ranks 32nd in the league. Going into the game, the Bears have thrown a total of 11 interceptions, coming on a passing completion percentage of 60 0.88%, which is 29th mm. in the league. So from a passing perspective, it hasn't been that impressive, but that hasn't mattered because what he's been able to do with his legs, what he's been able to do on the ground has been so sensational and it's so emphatic as well. It's always highlight reels. The way he does mm. it, it's always when a, a play completely breaks down, he'll find a gap and then he doesn't just go and slide into the corner or run out of bounds. He takes it to the house. He is very, very impressive. And he's got that dog in him, you know, like it feels like when everything's against him, that's when he seems to be able to pull out of a uh, pull out a play. And yes, it's been a mixed season for him, but I think this is a great sort of opportunity to look at what Philadelphia have done with Jalen Hurts and say, well, why can't we mould Justin Fields into a similar level quarterback? Like, I think Dan Orlovsky mm. said it yesterday on Good, Mor- Good Morning Football or one of the other shows. He said he's never seen someone improve in terms of accuracy in the way that Jalen Hurts has over the past couple of years. Yeah. He says when he entered the league, he never expected him to be able to reach this level. But it's a great indicator that if you give someone a good situation, if you give them a good offensive line, if you give them weapons like you've got in Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, then not only can you have a great dual threat quarterback, but you can also have a great pocket quarterback. Jalen Hurts right now has the highest completion, uh, completion percentage from the pocket this season, which mm. is insane. If you had said that to anyone two years ago when he entered the league, they would think you're absolutely crazy. But I think that's a great sort of model for what they should do with Justin Fields in Chicago is they should build around him and yes, rely on his legs earlier in his career because that's his strength right now. But mm. if they can go into the offseason, he's definitely got that work ethic. We know that we've seen it throughout his young career. So we know that he can go and work on this and then eventually 
if you give him the situation around him, he should be able to reach the same levels we've seen from Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think it's a great it's a great comparison and something that we often talk about on this show, which is self-evident, but nevertheless isn't followed through by every team. And you really feel that the Bears absolutely given the the slim pickings that they have in terms of skill positions comparatively, they have to go big and invest in the offseason if they're backing us. We mentioned it earlier on with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, that was the blueprint in Buffalo to progress Josh Allen with Diggs. We've seen it with Tour and how they've backed him with, with Tyreek and, and obviously Waddle getting drafted. It has to be the way if they feel they've got their guy and they understand particularly the st- type of quarterback that he is, they need to back in this offseason. It, it, and, and I think with that odd, strange, weird era that they had last season, in, in particular being the apex of that, and every week the offensive game plan seemed to change. They seem to be throwing a player like Fields away. The organization has clearly moved forward now with the new setup. They've got to back him. They've got to do that. And and I suspect they will. I mean, the question is, what kind of draft hall are they going to get? Because going into this game and bringing it back to this game, it would be extraordinary if they are able to put up any kind of fight against Philly. So they're going to get a top five pick, maybe even a top three pick, right? Um, and it'd be, I wonder, given the fact it's going to be a quarterback rich class, whether that's the kind of collateral that they they wheel and deal and, and pile that into uh, a, a bigger draft Capital. What do you think about this game on in terms of the line? Because obviously the Eagles are rolling on both sides of the ball. Their line is dominant. Hurts in the groove. So nine points is an ask on the road as well. Dangerous to, to look at Philly or do you think this is going to be a comfortable win for them? Would you, you can have any action on it? I'm going to take Chicago. You're going to take Chicago plus nine. I have to. It's too many points for Chicago at home, realistically. And They've proven at home that they can compete. I mean, they've proven week in, week out that they can compete when they've got Justin Fields at quarterback. Mm. What was it? Chicago 30, Detroit 31, Mm -hmm. Chicago 32, Miami 35. Yes, okay, they didn't cover the spread against the Green Bay Packers at home. But at the same time, if you watch that game, if you look at the way it played out, they definitely should have done. There was just a couple of things that didn't go their way. And that also applies to the Philadelphia Eagles. I watched that Giants game very closely considering that that was my Drew Lock of the week. And I can't tell you the level of frustration I had. Uh, Mike briefly talked about it on the Monday show. There was a Devontae Smith touchdown, which was just, I mean, in no way should have, there was a fourth and seven. That was a game changing play. Mm. And instead of it being a completion, instead of it being a pass broken up, instead of it being a potential interception, it literally lands in the one inch, which allows it to go Mm. and be a touchdown. I think things have been going Philadelphia's way. I don't think defensively they've actually been playing that well. They can't seem to stop that much going on the ground. And I think Fields is going to be able to have a lot of success. And yes, I think James Bradbury and Darius Slay have been one of the best cornerback partnerships in the league, if not the best cornerback partnership in the league. But I still don't think this defence is playing to a high level enough to be able to stop Chicago completely and to cover this big number. It's in Soldier Field. I think Mm. this game is going to be close to the nine points. I don't think Chicago are going to go and win it. Definitely don't quote me on that. But at the same time, Mm. in these situations, at home, December, Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, who is the ultimate competitor... Nine points is just too many. I'll probably have a little flutter on the over as well, just because yeah. if you listen to those totals I've said, when Chicago have been at home, mm-hmm. 
They had, what, 49-29 against the Cowboys, 33-14 against the Patriots. This is a team that plays generally to the over. And yes, it's going to be cold in Soldier Field on Sunday, but at the same time, like I still like this as an over team and the same with the Eagles. They're going to put up a lot of points against this terrible Bears defense, but I don't think their defense is going to have that much success against Fields. Yeah, I think the over is a more interesting play for me as well on this. Incidentally, just some data for you proper. The Eagles 8-5 and against the spread and they've covered in three straight. But they're one and two against the spread in games that with the line where the line is nine points or more this season. So the uh, it's leading in your favour. Feel very got, important. Yeah, I've got one for you though. Your favourite stat of all time. Oh yeah, percentage this might chance. Swing you. No, no, this, no. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, head to head in terms of history. Yeah, <laughs> dating yeah. back to 2013. Now, oh, really? The important. Eagles are five and zero oh, straight <laughs> up okay. and against the spread. And their last five Classic. meetings with the Bears. Well, that should shift. I mean, to be honest, all that should shift your shift your punt, surely. No, because... no, it's going to shift yours, surely. This is your favourite stat. Sure, you're going to take the Eagles. Because what happened scenario. in 2015 when literally none of the players on the field are participating in this game, none of the coaches as well. Uh, that's really, really crucial in terms of informing which direction I'm going to go here. If um, you had followed those stats, you'd probably still have a better Drew Lock record. <laughs> this is, this is if I just chucked it to Coco and Pebbles week one, I probably would have. <laughs> hey, um, one other thing, my other favourite number, of course, when we're working on this out, uh, ESPN's percentage, percentage yeah. projection, 82.5% chance to win the game, the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I saw that number. Thank God. All right. Um, so propo, interesting. Doubling down against against Philly. That's a brave, brave call. Our final game of the three, the Chargers Titans. Dividing opinion. Firstly, there's a lot of money coming in on this one, right? So the Chargers, the line at the moment is what? Because the Chargers opened at minus three, right? And it's gone back to three. So it got bet down by people coming in on the Titans to two and a half, and it's been mm. bet back up to three now by people backing the charges when it got to that number. A lot of bounce, of course, given how the charges handled Miami and how the Titans capitulated uh, against the Jags last week. And the Titans feel like an organization in disarray. What I can't get over, and we've touched on this a bit earlier on. Yes, the Dolphins had problems here, but this is a terrible run defense for the charges. Derek Henry is just going to, run right through them it feels to me that there's a lot of recency bias going into this and the titans might be the sharp play here where are the sharps in terms of the action the sharps in terms of the action i'm assuming let me have a quick look so yeah the sharps are on tennessee so the cash mm. is 86 percent on the titans at this moment in time 53 yeah. percent of the tickets are on the okay. titans so you're still getting the majority of bets coming in on the titans but at the same time it is definitely just a little narrowly, bit of a, yeah, 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 just narrowly. It's still a pro-jo split to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, you see, I'm learning. I'm learning propo. So learning. the Titans five and two against the spread on the road. The Chargers lack of home edge as well. I mean, and mind you, against Tennessee, I'm not sure how big an issue that is. I'm not sure it's going to be ran with Titans fans either, right? Compared to um, if this was a, a game against the Cowboys. Where are you on this? You, do you, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm leaning Titans. It's a fascinating game, Nat, because you've got a team that is essentially the worst against the run in the league. They allow more yards per rush than any other team in the NFL going up against Derrick Henry and a team that likes to run the ball more than any other team in the NFL. And you're going up with 
on the other side of the ball, you've got the Los Angeles Chargers who like to throw the ball more than any other team in the NFL. They have one of the worst rushing offenses in the league going up against a passing D that has allowed eight and a half yards per pass attempt over the last three games. So you've got two teams who their strength on offense is going up and perfectly matched up against the weakness of the defense. So it should be really interesting to see who gets the better of each other in this game. But the reason why I'm leaning with you now, the reason why I'm going with the Titans is because, first of all, Tennessee, this is the first time they've lost three consecutive games under Rabel since weeks five to seven in 2018. This doesn't Mm -hmm. happen under Rabel. Mike Rabel is 21 and eight against the spread as an underdog of three plus points. This is just on that propos. Sorry, just to jump in on on that point, because it's a really important one. Two of those three losses have been to the Bengals and the Eagles, arguably the two most informed teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, exactly. So you look at those and you've got to take those and apply them into context. And then also... These might, I mean, this is why, like, it's one of those where you can kind of break down the game as much as you want. You can look at the matchups as we've already done so. But at the same time, just from a gambling perspective, you look at this and it's the Tennessee Titans as an underdog are so good to bet on. As I've just said, 21 and eight against the spread as an underdog of three points. Whereas the LA Chargers, I backed them last week against the Dolphins because they were an underdog. They're also the team that you favor as an underdog. You don't favor them as a favorite. Justin Herbert is 7-13 and 13 against the spread as a favourite of three or more. And yes, the interesting thing about last week, which we saw from the Chargers, which no one was expecting, was that elite performance from the secondary, was that incredible defensive scheme that Brandon Staley set up to stop the Miami Dolphins, to stop Tyreek Hill, to stop Jalen Waddell. But at the same time, from all, uh, from all accounts, he just replicated what the 49ers did the week before. And that might be a bit more of an indication of, the Dolphins' weaknesses than the Chargers' strengths. At the same time, it doesn't look like Traylon Burks will be back for the Titans, which is a huge mm-hmm. loss. So they're just going to rely on the run. They're just going to rely on Derrick Henry, who is going to be angry because he was obviously at fault for those two fumbles against the Jags, which completely flipped that game. Everyone's talking about the Tennessee Titans and the issues they're having, obviously, firing their GM last week and seeing the result of that on the weekend, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars in embarrassing fashion the way that they did. And I think that's only going to motivate Mike Vrabel. You have to look at what Mike Vrabel has already done in his career and go off that. And usually Mm -hmm. when backs are against the wall, when everyone is expecting them to fail, that's when they succeed. So I think in this Mm -hmm. situation, you just have to back the Tennessee Titans because history tells us to. Yeah, it's Tomlin-esque. Coaching edge, no doubt about it, is is, is with the Titans. Understandable disruption with what is happening off the field and, and... you know, changes made there. We'll regulate a bit now. They're in an absolute scrap for the division. Put into context those defeats, as I say. I I, I like I like the Titans here. I really do with that. With 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 the points, really, really interesting. The total I want to get your take on. So that is what currently 46? It is currently at 46. It's been bet down from 48, interestingly, which mm. is um, I guess it's also a little bit. Of a pro-joy split. It's gone up to 47, actually. Oh, okay. It's gone back up to 47. There's been a lot of movement this week. Yeah. So 50% of the cash is on the over, which basically means it's 50-50. And then 70% of the tickets is on the over. So there's a little bit of a pro-joy split, not that massive between the over and the under. I think it's just the Tennessee Titans 
Los Angeles Chargers obviously last week managed to stunt the the Miami Dolphins. So I think people are saying that their def- defense has improved mm-hmm. enough to be able to stop the Tennessee Titans, especially the passing attack, mm. because of how bad Tannehill looked last week without Traylon Burks. So I'm actually I would probably lean towards the under if I was going to go anywhere in this game. But the Chargers, I always just think of them as an over team, and that's always so naive. Uh, okay. Let's check in with Crystal Tom next and get his... What should we go with first? His Drew Lock of the Week or his Taylor Heineke Yaka? Let's go with his Drew Lock of the Week. All right, let's hear it. Unfortunately, our long-running, unbeaten Drew Lock of the Week and Taylor Heineke Yaka streak came to a halt on Sunday. We got absolutely Mitch Trubisky'd as the Steelers fell to the Ravens in inauspicious fashion. Let's bounce back and add some more money to the Christmas pot in Week 15, fellas. My Drew Lock of the Week is the Dallas Cowboys, minus four and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dallas was strongly fancied to beat Houston last week, and rightly so given the Texans boast the worst record in the league. However, America's team struggled and appeared to be facing a shock defeat until they rallied late in the day as Ezekiel Elliott capped off a 98-yard touchdown drive in the final three minutes. That wasn't Dallas's best game of the season, but now is not the time to go cold on the Cowboys. They've won four straight, including six of their last seven, and the last time they lost, which came against the Packers in Week 10, they bounced back with a 40-3 victory over the Vikings. The Cowboys are still in pursuit of the Eagles in the NFC East and now travel to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars, who are coming off an impressive victory against the Titans. However, the Titans remain the most inconsistent team in the league and they were gashing Jacksonville on the ground until a Derek Henry fumble that changed the game. Jacksonville has won just three of its last ten games and quarterback Trevor Lawrence is battling a toe injury. Also, this Jacksonville defence is one of the worst in the league. The Lions made this group look awful two games back and they're in the top five for the worst pass defence. I'm shocked that this line is just four and a half and I fully expect Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalton Schultz and Tony Pollard to feast. Take the Dallas Cowboys minus four and a half. All right, Tom Collins on fire. What's he, six and one? Six and one, yeah. He's obviously fuming as well, so he's motivated. Angry he is Tom motivated. Collins. It's an angry. T- you don't want to get an angry Crystal Tom Collins. That's the crystal cracked. He's cracked the crystal. It's yeah. a problem. All right. Uh, we'll get his Taylor Heineke Acker to wrap the show. Let's get your propo prop bets of the week. Yeah, so obviously it's a Wednesday, so the lines haven't been released, but that doesn't seem to matter in recent weeks because it has not been going too well. We're expecting a bounce back week. I've already said this one. I expect CD Lamb to score a touchdown on Sunday. Lamb had one of his performances of this season on Sunday, one of his worst performances of the season on Sunday, I should say, as he was out-targeted by Dalton Schultz and outgained by three receivers. This game, I think, is definitely an anomaly. And I think he is realistically the alpha in this offense. And he's going up against a very weak Jag secondary. And I reckon he will be able to get in the end zone. He might even score two touchdowns. I might put even a little flutter on that. My next is Isaiah Pacheco to score a touchdown. He had a great game on Sunday, totaling close to 100 yards in a game against Denver's stout defense. And he now goes up against the Houston Texans who can't stop anything on the ground. This is a classic Chiefs game where they won't want to use any of the tricks that Andy Reid has up his sleeves for the playoffs. So it's just a get the win, get out for Kansas City. And I expect a lot of running the ball. And my final one is Justin Jefferson score a touchdown. Standalone game against a weak Colts secondary. The lights are bright. So Nat, the stars are going to shine. He was robbed of a touchdown last week against the Lions and will not be missing out two weeks in a row. All right. Propose prop bets of the week dropping early. And um, you're on a roll with those this season, though, right? The general... No, not necessarily. I wouldn't say it's been my... I reckon it's probably just mm. above 500. Just above about, 500. But it's just about. But it's not been... Recent weeks, has been a struggle. 
Okay. Uh, speaking of bad, which, bad a, week. a perfect yeah. segue. <laughs> speaking of recent weeks, it's been a struggle. I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to, oh, which one should I pick? I like this one. I like this one. You know that I had a few different picks that I said to you I quite liked, and we are recording this early in the week, and then the breaks. I did very much like Dallas Jacksonville over. Just want to get that out there now, but you got there first, and hey, uh, I'm a gentleman, and uh, I will let you roll with that. So my Drew Lock of the week. I'm going for the over, which is set at 44 in the Bengals bucks. That number has been bet down quite a lot um, from where it opened. And I like that fact in particular. I think it now has value to take the over at, at that line. The Bengals are obviously going to be without T Higgins, Tyler Boyd as well. So they're short stack there, but Trey Hendrickson on the other side, not there too. I think the bucks are in, if not last chance saloon, then bruised coming out swinging. The Bengals, as we talked about earlier, one of the form teams in the NFL right now. I see them both able to put up points. I know there was a resurgence with the Bucks defense at times this season, and I know that they match up quite nicely there. Although when you look and break down about what they're doing versus the run, I think there's going to be opportunity for the Bengals there too. I just see points on both sides, and I feel that number is too tempting, having gone down to 44 to, to ignore. Out of a difficult slate again for me this week to look at. That is the one that jumps out. I'm not going to procrastinate, faff around. I'm going with my gut. 44, the over Bengals Bucks. Propo, what's your verdict on that? Yeah, I mean, also T Higgins and Tyler Boyd are day to day. Oh, are they day to day? Oh, day to day. But I'm locking in. I'm locking yeah, so in. They're day to day. I mean, but this is Zach Taylor says every injury is day to day. It seems to be his new thing where he just says someone could break their leg and he'd be like, yeah, it's day to day. It's like Belichick's injury report. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. roster on it every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I like it. I mean, I like it to completely honest with you. My issue with the game is obviously I just don't know what the Tampa Bay Bucks are good at. That is defensively or offensively. I think the Cincinnati Bengals, if they do have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, could potentially put up an insane amount of points on this Bucks D. But at the same time, Tom Brady isn't good when there's pressure on him. And there won't be that much pressure if we don't have Trey mm-hmm. Hendrickson playing. So I do like it, Nat. But at the same time, it's your Drew Lock of the Week. So <laughs> I always say I like them and I actually never know yeah, what's going to happen. Yeah, true, true, true. I'm in. I'm rolling. I'm good. I'm happy with it. Uh, and look, if you want to fade my Drew Locks of the Week, as apparently some of you are fair play. Do that. I don't care. As long as you get what you need. Uh, happy days. Right. Speaking of which, we're going to wrap things up with Crystal Tom's Taylor Heineke Acker. Let's go. This week's Taylor Heineke-Acca begins with the Dallas Cowboys, my Drew Lock of the week. They just have too much talent in all areas for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm shocked that they aren't bigger favourites despite struggling against the terrible Texans last week. They should bounce back. Next up is the New Orleans Saints, who face the Atlanta Falcons in a crucial divisional game. The Saints are 4-9 this year, but they're just two games back in the NFC South, and a win here off the bye keeps them in contention. I'm not a fan of the Saints' offense, despite boasting some powerful weapons, but I love their defense in a matchup against rookie quarterback Desmond Ridder, who'll be making his first NFL start. Finally, take the Washington Commanders against the New York Giants in Sunday's primetime matchup. These two teams faced off just two weeks ago at MetLife Stadium, and it ended in a 20-20 tie, a result that neither would have wanted. However, the Commanders played the better game. They dominated time of possession and accumulated more than 400 yards on offense. The Commanders have only lost one of their last eight games, while the Giants have won just one of their last six. Trends tell you to take the home team. This week's Taylor Heineke Acker selections are the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New Orleans Saints to beat the Atlanta Falcons, and the Washington Commanders to beat the New York Giants. You can get 9-4 to four on SBK. Crystal Tom and the Acker, he's on fire. 
last week we forget about. Don't worry, Tom. Just get back in the zone. You clearly have. You're good. We got your back. You're rolling and you will continue to roll. We feel confident about a bounce back week, don't we, Propo? I can see the confidence in your eyes. Yeah, we do. I am, uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling it this week. I'm feeling it. I was motivated. Last week was too painful for me. I need to bounce back. Mm. I was ill. You know, there's a lot of issues yeah. going on. I'm bouncing back this week. We're back on a roll, edge rushers. Remember, if you do get involved with the action, do so carefully, responsibly. you got to be 18 plus to get involved with it as well. And like everything in life, moderation is the best medicine. Good luck. Enjoy the games. Have fun. And we will be back. What? Where are we next? FFS with the Guru Sandrini. That's our next pod dropping. Checking the vault. Asmir Begovic and our preview show. The brilliant Asmir Begovic dropping by this week. And as I mentioned earlier, Iron Mike in the vault. Last thing I will say before we get out of Dodge, because I've been looking at some of the data this week, the numbers for the show really, really Strong and healthy this season, which we massively appreciate. And a lot of new subscribers dropping it. Maybe they've heard, they've got wind, propo, of Crystal Tom's streak. <laughs> and they're getting on board. All there. the hashtag fade Nat Coombs. All the hashtag fade Nat Coombs. So really yeah, good to have you on board with the show. I hope you're enjoying it. And for all your OG old school listeners, right back at you as well. Appreciate your love and support. All right, we'll see you for everybody. Bye for now. Podcast Network.